0: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here. For today's Locked On Reds, for for Friday, I have your friend and mine, the man who runs RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com, knows everything to know that there is about the Reds, Doug Gray. Doug, how's it going, man?
0: I mean, I'm feeling a lot of pressure all of a sudden. Apparently, I know everything, uh, <laughs> but but other than that, things are going well, Jeff. Things are going well. How are you?
1: That's good. I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh. You know, aside from it being cloudy and stuff, I'm wishing that it were opening day. I'm like Nick Castellanos in that way. Yeah,
0: well, you, me, probably everybody listening. I th- I think we all can cannot wait until March 26th.
1: It's gonna be so awesome, and I'm already I, I love it. I'm already kind of getting into little discussions on Twitter with the Locked On Cardinals host. So it's it, it's gonna be a fun year. Um,
0: is, is, is there gonna be some sort of like? You know, fun bet between you and the Cardinals guy
1: or we got to come up with something. I'm going to uh, there's definitely going to be a crossover episode or two before like, now in the season. You have so,
0: to eat yeah. like pizza on a cracker or whatever garbage pizza they have. <laughs> and if, if if the Reds win then you get to send him a can of Skyline, he's got to make it and eat it. Something like that. I, I feel like that's a good one.
1: What is the what is the St. Louis? I've been to St. Louis one time, but I I don't know what their thing is. Like I know Pittsburgh, they like to put every they like to put fries on everything. What what's St. Louis's? They put pizza on a cracker?
0: It, like their pizza is like the thinnest crust pizza ever. Like most people literally describe it as like ketchup cheese on a cracker. Like it's Ugh. it's really bad. Don't ever actually eat St. Louis style pizza. You can get pizza in St. Louis. Um but just don't get St. Louis-style pizza.
1: So whenever I finally get around to taking a road trip to St. Louis and going to see a game at Bush, then I'll just bring pizza bagels. That's what you're telling me to do.
0: Look, if you brought a like bag of bagel bites and you put them in the microwave, <laughs> they would be better than St. Louis-style pizza but enough oh, about man. that let's let's talk some baseball not L- not terrible
1: pizza food <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about yes terrible pizza sucks the reds do not let's talk about some reds baseball first off I want to get into some prospect talk with you here in just a minute but the news of the day the big news Pedro Strope is a red Yasio Puig isn't which that would have been an interesting dynamic in and of itself but Pedro Strope is a red Last season, the numbers, at least, you know, if, if you just look at a high-level overview of the ERA and things like that, you're like, well, whatever. Every year before, that looks amazing. What do you think of the signing? Because I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about it.
0: I mean, I, I think it's a great signing. You know, he, his base salary is under $2 million. Uh, he's got some incentives to kind of get it up to $3.5 million. But he'd basically have to smash through his career high and games finished to reach that. Uh, And I I just don't think that that's going to be a realistic thing that's going to happen. He needs to reach 40 games finished to get to the first level of his incentives. And he's only top 22 games finished once in his career. It was last year. And he got to 27. Uh, Unless the Reds kind of get get away from their whole idea of, you know, kind of mixing and matching relievers and make him the closer, which doesn't seem realistic or likely, then it's just tough to see him getting there. But you know, you mentioned that his ERA was a little bit high last year, which, you know, it was. It was 4.97. You don't really want to see that. But that's the highest it's been by far, uh, let's see, since 2013. Um, 2014, 2018, he never had an ERA as high as three. Uh, last year, you know, the issue that everybody faced, he gave up more home runs than he usually does. And you know, the the real thing is his walk rate went up. Now. If, you know, Derek Johnson can work with him and get his walk rate back down to normal levels, uh, there's there's no reason at all to think that he couldn't be a dominant reliever once again. He missed a lot of bats last year. He's a huge ground ball guy. So uh, if they can get the walk rate under control, I, I think this is a really good, really high upside, sort of low risk signing.
1: Just based on, I mean, what my small brain can make of it, when I look on baseball savant, I see some really good expected stats. Like his his batting averages, expected batting average is really low. His expected slugging percentage is really low. He doesn't give up a lot of barrels or hard hit contact, which that's that that's a good thing in and of itself. But even more so than projecting what he might be in 2020, the one thing that I really like about this is how many spots in this bullpen do you now see as up for grabs? Like, I I almost see only like one or two spots. And I think that's a good thing, by the way. But, I mean, what what do you think about it? How many spots do you think are actually up for grabs through spring training?
0: Well, Major League Baseball actually announced, it was either yesterday or today, um, that teams can have up to 13 pitchers on their roster. So, you know, you got your five rotation spots. I think that the Reds will take full advantage of the remaining eight spots. Uh, I think they've got three spots left. And, uh, I, you know, of those three spots, I mean, you've got three pitchers that are out of options that don't have spots locked up. I, I, I really feel comfortable that Cody Reed's going to make the team, but I, I wouldn't say he's locked in, but he's out of options. Same for Lucas Sims. And then Sal Romano is also out of options. Um, you know he hasn't been quite as good as either one of those guys in his major league career, um, but you know he's also a six foot five right hander who can throw 99 miles an hour out of the bullpen. Uh, if a guy like that is out of options and has even a decent spring training, doesn't go out and embarrass himself, are you really going to put that kind of guy on waivers? I I don't know. Um, I I. I mean, so realistically, I mean, I, there's three spots in my mind. I think that they, uh, unless one of those three guys really performs poorly, though, there might not really be any actual open competition.
1: That will be intriguing to me. With these um, kind of thinking of, like, there's been some intriguing names and uh, just looking at their body of work and the talent that they've showed at some point in their career. Some interesting non roster invitees, you know minor league deals with invites to spring training, that sort of thing are th- most of those deals or or all of those deals something that if they don't make the major league roster out of spring training, they have the ability to opt out
0: uh, that one I do not know they usually don't oh. disclose that publicly um I would imagine that uh there's probably for you know, let me, let me just double check here real quick. Yeah, like a guy like David Carpenter, Nate Jones, guys who are in their mid-30s at this point, they probably got those built into their contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're they're at an age where, you know, they're going to want to not spend time in AAA if the if, if they have a good spring and don't make the team, they're going to get it built into their contracts in almost every single scenario that they can try and see what else is out there. Um you know, for guys like, you know, Jesse Biddle, maybe not. Uh Brooks Raley, Uh he's an interesting one because, you know, he's he's coming back from pitching overseas for a couple of years. Um, I mean he, he may have been able to talk that in there, I'm not sure. But uh yeah, it it'll be interesting to see how that works out because I think that there are a lot of guys that are those non roster invites that you know, they probably do have the opt ins built in, but uh they, they usually don't disclose that until You know We're halfway through spring training, and it actually is kind of getting clear that there's not going to be a spot available for those guys that somebody's really willing to say, yeah, they've got the opt-out.
1: What's been interesting to me is this signing just goes on the list of acquisitions that the Reds have made that have made this offseason absolutely phenomenal and, and brought so much excitement to Reds country and to all of us that uh, just, you know, for whatever reason, whenever we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is look at what's going on with the Reds. But uh, I I mean, I'm pretty bullish on them, and I've talked to a couple of national guys that are bullish on them. There is one national guy, though, and um, he was actually on Mo Egger's show today, and he's written a piece in The Athletic about it who's not bullish about the reds he doesn't think he thinks that they will barely break 500 and that is of course keith law and real quick and it's not something that i told you off air that i wanted to get from you just something that kind of came to my mind what do you think about his take because one of the things that he said, in fact, two of the things that he said I thought were interesting is that the Reds did not address the catching position, which I think we all kind of agree we th- we thought could have been addressed. And they didn't address the pitching position, which my, eye- my eyebrows raised like about a million meters, which that looks really weird if you would have seen it. But I mean, I was really confused by that because I didn't think the pitching needed addressing other than just adding to the depth of it. What did you think about Keith Law's take? Because I definitely see that as the baseline of what the Reds can be in 2020.
0: I mean, I, if you're going to make the statement that the Reds didn't address their catching and maybe that was an area of weakness, okay. I think I think for the most part we can all kind of at least understand where somebody would be coming from if they made that statement. Um, I, I know that some people are more confident in the, the platoon situation or however you want to describe it between Tucker Barnhart and Kirk Casale. Um, but I, I think that we all agree that if nothing else, there were opportunities to upgrade that position. Uh and you know, I think the Reds thought, thought so too. I mean, it's very clear that the last two off seasons they've gone after Yasmani Grandal and come up short. You know, that's that's something that they were trying to do. Uh, likewise with the pitching, I they apparently were going hard after Zach Wheeler. Um so they they were all they were trying to upgrade their pitching a little bit. Now, it is a little different when you're going after a guy like Zach Wheeler who On paper, you can at least dream of the idea that, you know, he fits right in there with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. So it's not like they were just trying to, you know, make a marginal upgrade, Um, which I think that they did do by bringing in Wade Miley. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that where the disconnect between where I'm at and where Keith Law is as far as what they did to either upgrade their pitching or maybe his mind not upgrade the pitching is that he looks at Wade Miley's advanced stats, such as, you know, his FIP or XFIP or whatever. And sees that he doesn't perform well in those numbers, whereas I look at those numbers and go, "Okay, yeah, they're not great, but that's not real- that's not reality right. um his e r a has outperformed his advanced pitching metric e r a estimator numbers for the last two years Now it didn't before that, but I mean if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen how I felt about those those numbers, especially when it comes to Wade Miley uh for those who don't. I'll I'll make it pretty simple. Wade Miley throws a cut cut fastball for his fastball. Uh, He picked up that pitch two years ago. He replaced his fastball with a cut fastball. The cut fastball, it performs much better in terms of what hitters can do against it than a regular fastball. Guys that throw cut fastballs almost always beat their ex-FIP and FIP numbers. So if you're looking at those advanced stats and you look at Wade Miley, his quote-unquote expected ERA is going to be much worse than what he actually gets from his ERA. Like almost every pitcher that throws exclusively a cut fastball over a regular fastball. I I think that that is one of the reasons where me and Keith Law are going to have a big disagreement. Um, Now, even if you take away the entire Wade-Miley situation, uh, how do you only think this is a roughly 500 team? I mean, heading into the offseason, before they even made a single move, they were roughly a 500 team. So I that part I, I I can't make sense of that. Um, but you know, I, I guess we've all got our opinions. Uh, I just think that Keith was wrong on this one.
1: No, and I agree with you. And and you mentioned two years ago he developed this cut fastball. Who was his pitching coach two years ago?
0: Uh, let me check my notes. Derek Johnson.
1: Oh, hey, that guy sounds familiar
0: yeah i I believe he is now the uh the Cincinnati Reds pitching coach
1: you know that might be a match made in heaven anyway. I know that both you and I are looking at what the Reds have done and are excited to be a great American ballpark just about every day this season so it's gonna be a great year um i don't i don't get i understand i understand where some folks would look at teams that spend money and say, well, they're just throwing money at players but I don't understand in the day and age where you belabor the point that a team that is trying to improve somehow didn't. I mean, mean, we look at the rest of the division and the Cardinals, the Cubs have done nothing. The Brewers have replaced lost players with lots of question marks. The Pirates are the Pirates, and they're, they're not a factor. So I don't know where he thinks the Reds won't be in this race. I mean, this is going to be a very closely knit division. Even if the Reds, I mean, obviously we all are pretty high on their what we think their win total is going to be, but even if they're on the lower end, I think the lower end of their win total is like 85, 86. I think it's going to be right in the thick of it, even if... The Cardinals add like a Nolan Arenado or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure how you could come up with, uh, the the projection of being you know a, a low 80s win team. I just, I, I just guys can't wrap my head around it. I, I think that there's a you know the top of the division is going to be under 90 wins this year unless somebody just drastically outperforms what their current projection is. And I think that the Reds are in that 87, 88 win range. I mean they're right there.
1: So coming up here in just a moment, we're going to jump into some prospect talk because we've got the main ranking systems out with all of uh, their top 100s or top 101s and all that good stuff. And we're going to jump into that here in a second. But first... Spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 Major League teams all within a 50-mile radius of Greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona is known for its outdoor adventures and national parks. Lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training... Everyone is so laid back, you can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Reds podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Reds fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a locked on podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Reds fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising, and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB Pipeline, everybody's got rankings, you my friend have rankings as well. And I definitely wanted to get your take on this because it really seems like, and and maybe, you know, everybody overrates their own prospects and all this other stuff. And maybe I'm like off base by saying this, but I think it's weird that the Reds only got at most two prospects in the top 100 in any of these websites. I mean, do you agree or how do you feel about that?
0: I thought that between the three major lists that came out, there would be four guys that got rated. That got rated in the top 100. Maybe not all four on the same list, uh, but I expected Hunter Green and Dolo along with Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India, to be rated. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out that it was only Hunter Green and Nicodolo that made two of the lists, and Nicodolo was the lone representative on one of the lists. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm a bit surprised now. I'll be honest, the the Reds farm system as a whole is is down to a point where I it it hasn't been this down in in quite a while. Sure. Um, but I, I I really do think that the top six guys you can make a legitimate argument that the top six guys could be in the top 100. Um, you know, some places have Jonathan India, you know, right on the Baseball America had him in the the next five guys that missed their top 100 list. He's he's number six on my list in terms of the Reds farm system. So. Yeah. You know, you can make the argument that, you know, maybe the Reds should have had five guys on the list instead of the two that they had. Um, You know, I think that I'm a reasonable person who (laughs) follows the Reds' farm system fairly well. And if I can make that argument that Jonathan Indy is the number six guy and he's, let's just call him the number 105 guy in baseball, I mean, is that really a bad farm system? Probably not. Um, But I do think that the the depth takes a, a decent hit once you get outside of the top you know six seven reds prospects
1: i do wonder if people like national raiders and all this other the folks that put together these lists just forgot about tyler stevenson i was like how does he not make the list at all and then baseball i think it was baseball prospectus left hunter green off of the list. I'm like, how can you make the argument? I get it. He's coming back from Tommy John, but how can you make the argument that there are 101 prospects that you'd rather have instead of Hunter Green? That's just stupid. Yeah, The, the Hunter Green one on the baseball
0: prospectus list is the one that kind of got me more than anything uh, because he was on the list last year after he had an injury, and then he didn't pitch and dropped 30 spots off of the list. <laughs> uh, he, he 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 didn't pitch, Other players graduated from the list, and obviously some people jumped up and made the list, but it shouldn't have been a 30-ranking swing to drop him off of the list. Right. Um, Now, I I will say this about baseball prospectus. Um, They they churn through their prospect uh, writers pretty often, so the consistency from list from year to year or every two years is, is gonna be quite a bit different and i think that that's one of the reasons why the baseball america list is kind of the gold standard I mean yes they've been doing it for you know 30 something years now at this point but I mean in that in those 30 years I think they've had four people that kind of have the final say on the list and that that's what makes it you know the the gold standard is that the consistency doesn't really change um you're you're kind of getting the, you're 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 much more able to compare from year to year their list and make sense of it because the idea behind the list and kind of who is having the final say, so to speak, their their idea of what a prospect is and should be isn't changing too much.
1: I, I was curious to see, and I know MOB Pipeline did this, and obviously Baseball Prospectus did this as well. Folks rating Nick Lodolo higher than Hunter Green. Do you think that it is their rating his ability to make it to the majors quicker than Hunter Green rather than Hunter Green's raw talent compared to the two? Because, I mean, just from the untrained eye and, you know, my. Small brain. I look at Hunter Green, I'm like, that guy's got oodles of talent. And sure Nick Lodolo's got a lot of talent too, but I would say that Hunter Green is more talented. I don't know. That's just my thought on that. what, what did you take away? I mean yeah, but part of prospect ranking is kind
0: of, you know, the the safety in a prospect. And as you mentioned, Nick Lodolo's probably gonna get to the major leagues quicker. Uh, one, he's fully healthy right now. Uh, when the season starts for the two, he's gonna be pitching, and Hunter Green is not. And when Hunter Green is ready to pitch, and I imagine that's going to be sometime around June or July, uh, assuming that there are no setbacks in his rehab, and so far there hasn't been, there's no reason to believe there should be, but just in case, I mean, there there could be, but let's assume that the normal timeline that is expected, he'll be ready in June or July, he's going to be, at best, the same level that Nicodolo is, but without any of the experience at that level that Lodolo's already racked up. So you would think that Nicodolo should, in theory, get to the majors a little bit sooner. And that, that does play into the fact that you know he's safer. Uh, there, there's less hurdles for him to overcome. Um, I'm with you though. I Hunter Green is more talented, um, and that's that's no disrespect to Nicololo, who has plenty of talent on his own. I mean, heck, the guy was literally the first pitcher taken in last year's draft. Uh, Hunter Green's just a different dude. He just really is. Uh, there's a reason he was on Sports Illustrated's cover when he was in high school. Um, the, the raw talent that he's got, I mean, you just don't run into that very often. Um so I I I think that there is something to be said about, you know, his one health being there right now and two, the the quickness that he can get to the major leagues, that, that does play into, you know, where you would rate him. I personally didn't put him number one on the in the Reds form system. I got it but number two. Uh I I mean all things considered, yeah, they're technically close. But if I were putting them on a top 100 list myself, I think there'd probably be a 25 to 35 ranking gap between the two guys. Uh, maybe that's just me being really high on Hunter Green more so than being quote-unquote down on Nick Lodolo, which if somebody wants to say you're down on Nick Lodolo and say he's a top 100 prospect, that seems a little bit crazy to me. So <laughs> I hope no one takes, it, takes that the wrong way. I, I think that I just I have that much faith in Hunter Green.
1: I I am very excited, and and this is kind of on the back burner because if I was like, you know, overly excited about Hunter Green's debut, I'd be waiting a while. But it, you know, as far as like things that I'm excited, I'm excited for the next season of The Mandalorian. I'm excited for Andouille Sausage Coney's coming back to uh, Skyline, and I'm also excited for the eventual debut of Hunter Green. But I realize some of those things are going to happen at different times. Eventually, though. We're going to get to see that amazing talent. But like you said, Lodolo's going to be first. Do you see him coming up to the major leagues this year? I know that this is his first year in big league camp, but there are some who speculate he could be ready this year. Do you see that?
0: I think that in a vacuum, Nicodolo could pitch in the major leagues this year, but baseball isn't played in a vacuum. The Reds have a lot of pitching depth. Um, I, if you were to tell me that Nicodolo were to be called up on August 31st because he's just dominating the minor leagues and the Reds wanted to make him eligible for postseason if they were performing well, much like they did with the Chapman Chapman, uh, I guess a decade ago at this point, um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be 100% shocked by that. Um, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be... Shocked to the extent that like I could never have seen it happening that way, um, but you know this isn't like a a Mike Leake situation where Mike Leake was you know the most advanced pitcher to come out of the draft and you know just basically skipped the minor leagues quote unquote even though he spent plenty of time actually in the minor leagues but that's a different that's a different story for a different day people um, you know the Reds pitching staff is in a very different situation now than it was back then Um I, I think that the Reds have the luxury so to speak to give Nicodolo time in the minor leagues that maybe they wouldn't have heck even three years ago
1: they definitely were starving for pitching back then and kind of like we've been saying they are not now they've they've got a pretty good pitching staff one of the other prospects and I thought about this and, and is does Jose Garcia have this really good ability to be invisible
0: I I mean, I've seen him a lot, so no. <laughs> but I also think that Jose Garcia is the most underrated prospect in baseball right now, too. Um, I mean, I just I, I feel like he's not getting any sort of respect. Um, I mean, I I talked to scouts this year who far and away thought he was a better prospect than Jonathan India. Mm-hmm. Like they it wasn't close in their opinion of who was the better prospect. Like there was no question. Uh and yet Jose Garcia I mean he's not even seemingly in the discussion for even a top 150 ranking on these lists. Right. Uh, I mean, I've got him I mean to me, I think that he's a better prospect than Jonathan India. Heck, I've got a prospect between him and Jonathan India to put in perspective like where they both fall in my rankings. Sure. So I mean, maybe I've just got special eyes and can see him and other people can't. I don't know <laughs> I, I I think that he's he's not getting. The the due respect prospect wise that he should be. But, you know, nobody pays me to evaluate talent for a major league team either. Um, so I there's only so much thing or so many so many things that I can, you know, tell other people. But I'll just say this much. I don't know which scouts the people were talking to who were doing these rankings, but they probably weren't the same guys that I was talking to. Because if they were, I don't know how they could have come up with a situation where Jose Garcia is basically getting no real consideration at all.
1: He's not even—I mean, he wasn't even in the honorable mentions, and I thought that was completely— just based on what you've said and, and different numbers that you can look up on Jose Garcia, like, for those of you listening— um to the podcast, I was about to say on your headphones, but you might be listening on your car radio too. I don't know. Um, I don't know your life, but when it comes to <laughs> Garcia, like you can go look up his numbers. He was fantastic. He's a really good player and someone to really be excited about his future. And the fact that he was completely left off any of those lists, I thought was just <laughs> insane, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, like
0: we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of go behind the curtain a little bit as to how baseball america does their list Now they ask all of their editors to create a top 150 prospect list and then they just take those lists and make it kind of an ap style format where the prospect ranked number one is worth 150 points Mm -hmm. the guy ranked 150th is worth one and then they just put them all together like you know you're voting in the ap basketball or football poll and whoever's got the most points after they combine all the lists is number one and they go one through 150 that way. And that's kind of their starting list to at least begin the conversations of, okay, this is where we all kind of put this guy. Does this make sense? And then they start discussing every player. Uh, Jose Garcia didn't get a single vote on anybody's top 150 list. Ah, that, 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 that's a tough sell for me, man. Like, it, it just is. He, he's a shortstop with power potential. He's got speed. He can hit for average. I mean, the, the only real concern is that, you know, he's got a low walk rate, but you know, it's not like he's got a high strikeout rate, so you can kind of get away with a little bit. Yeah, that does leave a little bit, a little less wiggle room that, you know, if he were a guy who you thought would walk 60, 70, 80 times a year, but not very many shortstops to do that anyways. It It's just, I don't know, that the profile seems a lot better than I feel he's getting credit for.
1: Well, I appreciate your time today, man, just talking about, reds and prospects and all that different stuff. There's one more thing I wanted to look at before uh, we went and just looking at the two prospects, and I'm sure the question on everyone's mind, because, uh, you know, just looking at prospects, the main thing that you're thinking about is what's the impact on the major league team? Probably, and and maybe you've got a different perspective on this, uh, the two that I look at who are most likely to make the major leagues in 2020 Lodolo Dolo and Tyler Stevenson between those two, which of the two do you see getting to great American first?
0: I'd say Tyler Stevenson without question. Um, one, he's going to start the year in triple a two. He's a catcher on the 40 man roster. Uh, any long-term injury, he's going to get the call up there. I just can't see a, a situation where the Reds decide that, you know, Kyle farmer is going to all of a sudden be your backup catcher for, uh, you know, more than a week or two. Um, assuming that Tyler Stevenson isn't just totally over his head in AAA, there's no reason to believe that he would be. I mean, right. if if Tyler Stevenson's in AAA and performing decent, I mean, he's a guy who's legitimately been an everyday catcher for his entire career, whereas Kyle Farmer's a guy who uh, basically has been an emergency catcher for his entire career. Uh, you're you're going to go with Tyler Stevenson in that situation. And as we all know, catchers get hurt uh unfortunately that's just how the job works out you get beat up behind the plate um so I yeah I think that's a, that's an easy call for me
1: so if Tucker or Kirk Casale goes down we're not going to see Ryan LaVarnway again
0: I mean there's a chance
1: uh,
0: <laughs> I, I I I haven't been paying attention to the Ryan LaVarnway sleepstakes and free agency this year <laughs> um but I, I you know you, you never know I mean if you'd asked me two days before Ryan LaVarnway made his major league debut with the Cincinnati Reds if he were going to be an option, i just said no, uh, because he wasn't a Cincinnati Red then.
1: <laughs> I, know so. that he, I know that we're still waiting to see uh, the commissioning of his statue, so we're waiting for that. The Reds' roster looks super deep, and there's going to be more chatter about that. Uh, definitely going to be talking quite a bit during the spring training season about what the Reds are going to look like in 2020, so that's for another time. I appreciate you coming on today's episode, Doug. And um, like uh, like I mentioned, he runs RedsMinorLeagues.com, covers each and every day looking at the entirety of the minor league farm system for the Cincinnati Reds. Also, he runs a little website called RedLegNation.com. You may have heard of it. I don't know.
0: I, I hope so. But if not, go check it out. It's it's all right. We, we, we talk about a lot of uh, Cincinnati Reds-related things there
1: doug thank you so much for being on and uh we'll we'll talk to you again soon it was fun being on thanks for having me jeff that's gonna do it for this week in locked on reds make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all the many platforms follow me on twitter at jeff Carr with three f's and follow the show at locked on reds for the locked on reds podcast my name is jeff Carr. you guys have a great weekend i'll talk to you on monday